Ripacast, your podcast on the Whitechapel murders. This is episode 18, The Gathering, with Kelly Robinson. I'm Jonathan Mengus, coming to you from Topeka, Kansas, in the USA. Joining me today is Allie Ryder, who comes from Charlottesville, Virginia. Robert McLaughlin is in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And our special guest is Kelly Robinson, coming to us from Knoxville, Tennessee. Ms. Robinson is the organizer of the 2008 Jack the Ripper Conference that will take place in the United States in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we thank Kelly for being on the show today. Hi, Kelly. Hi there. And uh, I do thank you for joining us. And uh, you've made a recent announcement um, giving the uh, site location for the 2008 Jack the Ripper Conference and in Knoxville and the pricing and the official list of guests and everything like that so it must be a big week for you guys in the conference it is yes and uh, I should uh, point out right away that the uh, list of speakers is possibly not completely comprehensive at this point uh, as there may be still some additions uh, so but um, yes uh, we're really excited to be taking registrations and a uh, uh, Apparently, a lot of other people are, too, because uh, 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 within an hour after uh, posting the links, we had some registrations. So I think there actually were some people out there just waiting for it to be time to register for the conference, which is pretty exciting. Great. And I should mention that it's going to take place October 10th through the 12th in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, And um, why don't you give us uh, an idea of who some of the speakers are going to be? Uh, okay. Um, well, we have uh, Martin Fido, and I probably don't need to explain to who he is for a, a lot of people. I, I don't know how many uh, people you have listening to the podcast that are just stumbling upon it or are new to the field, and it, if they are, Google it is all I can say. You, you need to know who he is <laughs> if you don't. Uh, uh, we'll have Martin, and we're really excited about that. Uh, Philip Hutchinson and... Um, Philip, I'm also really excited about, and uh, he's Philip is going to be talking about the uh, Whitby Collection and Beyond is the name of the talk that he's doing, and uh, it's mostly focusing on the collection of photographs of the Ripper murder scenes that were taken by John Whitby, and uh, some of those were featured in Philip Hutchinson and Rob Flack's uh, new book, uh, but uh, a lot of the photographs that he's going to be featuring in the talk. Uh, did not make it into the book, and some of those are pretty exciting, actually. So, I think Philip has new things coming in all the time. So, uh, should be pretty exciting. Uh, Rob McLaughlin, <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know much about that guy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, me either. I haven't <laughs> heard of him. But. He, he, wrote, he wrote a book a long time ago, and that it's hard. Yeah, you can't find it anywhere. Yeah, I've, I've vaguely no. heard of him somewhere. Right. Uh, actually, Rob McLaughlin, who is here and um, uh, author of the first Jack the Ripper victim photographs, and uh, I'm excited to have him too. And uh, it makes us have uh, two people who are going to be focusing on a Jack the Ripper photographs. Well, actually, three. The the next person is uh, Eugenia Perry. She may be unfamiliar to a lot of people. I, I don't know if anybody here is uh, familiar with her. They may be oh, Allie Mae. I am. I, I am, of I, course. I, 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 uh, I'm familiar with her as well. Good, good. I, I stumbled onto her by accident when I, I was looking at Jack the Ripper books at a, the university library, and her book was on the shelf nearby, and I pulled it off, and I was really fascinated. Uh, her book, uh, Crime Album Stories, uh, focuses on a an album of uh, 19th century photographs of uh, Paris murder scenes that she found. And uh, the pieces she has written are, are really interesting. And I think one of the reasons that it, it may have somewhat flown under the radar is because uh, it's uh, considered creative nonfiction. I know when I first looked at it, I was curious about how much of the stories were true and how much was a you know, literary elaboration. And uh, after talking to her... It, Pretty much everything she has written is is based on on newspaper accounts and real things. And uh, the but the photographs themselves are are stunning. And uh, um, she's going to be talking about her discovery of the album and showing uh, 
some of the photographs and uh, I think she may have photographs that didn't make it into the book I'm not 100% certain I'm, I, but I think that she may and uh, I'd be really excited to see those uh, Alan Sharp um, I know a lot of people are probably familiar with Alan Sharp too uh, he's an editor of Ripper Notes and uh, author of uh, Jack the Ripper in the Irish Press and uh, he's going to be talking about the special branch which I think should be pretty interesting as I know he's doing a a lot of research into that lately, uh, so it should be fairly current. And those are the speakers we have so far, but it's by no means uh, all that we'll have. So, I know that uh, Philip has photographs of. Um, he had mentioned on a previous podcast uh, of of um, Annie Chapman's murder site, right? On um, in the doorway at Hanbury Street. Or there was actually a series of photographs taken. Is, do you think he's going to be showing those at the conference? I'm pretty certain, yes. And uh, I've seen those, and they are really exciting because they're actually taken as if you're you're walking through that whole walkway through. Uh, when they were taken, they must have been taken as as you were walking through the walkway and outside, so you can actually put them in order and and see it as if you're actually walking through. It's going to be excellent. It, yes. <laughs> Now, um, if you could give us a little bit of detail on how you became involved in organizing the U.S. Ripper Conference. Well, really, I never expected to be here, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, I, I attended my first conference in 2004 as a complete novice, on a, on a whim even. Uh, but uh, I, it meant a lot to me when uh, I went with my sister. We had each read one Ripper book apiece that was Martin Fido's. Um, always had an interest in the Victorian era. And uh, we were interested enough to want to look a little more closely, looked around on Casebook, found out there was a conference, and thought, what the heck? This sounds really interesting. So, uh, But when I went, I was hooked. Uh, hooked like crazy. It was really interesting to me to, to realize that there's this whole room full of people who all have the, the same interest that I have on so many different levels and when I saw how seriously some people take this and the you know the level of interest that people have and the the detail with which they examined certain aspects of the case I thought I'd, I want to be a part of this I want to know more about this and I, I want to look into it more so I, I, I came back in 2006 and uh, um, then, uh, I guess, last year, when uh, the previous organizers uh, announced that they wanted to take a break, uh, Dan and I discussed it and thought, this just has to happen one way or another. Uh, two years is, is too long for people who have made friends, come to these things, to wait to see each other again. And so it has to happen. We discussed it and decided, well, let's just do it. Uh, and so we are, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, uh, I think it's just something that people want to see happen. I, I honestly think that uh, if if you just uh, rented a big empty room and didn't even have any speakers, that uh, a lot of the people who come to these things really want to get together just to be able to talk to each other and share their ideas and just be together. So. I think the fact that we actually do have uh, speakers and events is is a bonus. Right, um, Robert. Uh, is the social aspect uh, uh, that you experienced in your first conference is is that one of the reasons why you uh, undertook the organization of uh, the two thousand and eight conference? I think it's a big factor. I. I, I, I I think it's really important that uh, the information comes out that comes out at conferences, but I think that uh, for a lot of the people who come, I think it's one of the main things that lingers on afterwards is the, the, the just the make. And uh, it's, you know, we, we all talked online and participated on the message boards and things. And, uh, you know, uh, before we actually started recording, I think uh, Jonathan said that the, the podcast seems to lend itself to civility. And I, I think you can double that with the conferences because there's a way that people are when they're, you know, writing messages and communicating with, you, with each other. And there's, there's a way that people are when they meet in person. And it's, I think a lot of people would be surprised. You know, I've, I've seen people who are 
just gnashing teeth at each other online by each other a beer when they show up at the conferences. So it's a completely different atmosphere, and it's it's one of camaraderie more than anything. And just to expand on that further, um, you, you know, a lot of people who've never been to a Ripper conference uh, don't really know what goes on. I mean, they don't know if it's like a Star Trek convention or what, if people right. dress up in funny clothes, <laughs> or if all they talk if, if all they talk about is murder. Um, could you give people a sense of actually what goes on at a right. Ripper well, conference? It, sure, and I, I think I'm in a good position to... to tell about that because in 2004 I, I walked in knowing you know very little and I, I remember actually uh, on the on casebook asking you know what could I expect who goes to these things and uh, Judith and Allie both were were quick to explain to me that it, it, people didn't have two heads and that they weren't going to be dressed in capes and wearing bloody fangs it, it's a uh, it's not a dragon con you know it's not a carnival atmosphere type of convention. Uh, but on the other hand, it's also not so academic that people wouldn't feel comfortable. And it's it's somehow got the best of both. Uh, you know, I walked in not knowing anyone, and I, I sat at a table full of people who were mostly also new, and within minutes were talking to each other. Because, uh, you know, at, at the core, every person who's there shares an interest with you, and a, a pretty big one or a, a unique one anyhow. So you know, even if you have nothing else to talk about, you can talk about who your favorite suspect is or or something. So you know they're all there for the same reason. And it's, uh, it's also interesting to see uh, how different everyone is as far as what kind of person they are. I mean, you know, all kinds of different jobs and, you know, ages and, and but we all have this one thing being Jack the Ripper, which which we're all drawn to for one reason or another. So, it's the lectures are are smart and they're uh, you know informative and and that's part of the core of it. But when the lectures are over, uh, you know the Ripperologists are people too, and they just want to have a drink and unwind and and talk about things. Sometimes Ripper things, but sometimes other things. The Ripper Conference this year is going to be held at the Four Points uh, Sheraton Cumberland House Hotel there in Knoxville. What uh, was the initial reaction um, of the people at the Sheraton when you approached them to hold the Jack the Ripper Conference there? That's an interesting question. And uh, I I actually was concerned about that uh, before I started contacting people. And I had sent an email to Judah Stock and... and, uh, Ask her for some advice on, you know, did a, do I need to downplay this? I, I was really tempted to, when I, I started sending in the requests, to uh, say, you know, Victorian History Conference, you know, and ease them into it. And uh, Judy's advice was to be completely upfront about it. Tell them exactly what you are. And uh, she, I remember her saying, believe me, they're going to remember you. And, and that was my experience uh, when I was trying to contact hotels. And uh, when, when we started uh, finalizing it and I uh, was talking to the, our representative at the Sheraton, she was just fascinating. It was really fun to, uh, to do some of the organizing with her because uh, I had so many questions I wanted to ask about pricing and about you know, convention facilities. And it was a long time before I could even get to it because she was asking me so many questions about Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Maybe she'll be an attendee. I, I think we might have a hard time keeping her away from it, actually. <laughs> now, Allie, you've had some ex- uh, experience uh, at these uh, Ripper conventions. Why, why don't you uh, chime in here? <laughs> About my experiences? Um, I'm in the organizing. <laughs> oh, those experiences. No. Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, the vast majority of the organizing um, leading up to the conference has always been undertaken by Judy Stock just because she's fabulous at it. My experience is more um, on the ground on, you know, game day where, you know, just checking people in and all the 101 
thousand things that Kelly you have to look forward to that you don't even realize you have to look forward to um like I think the the first conference Kelly came to I think if I'm not mistaken I actually drafted you in the book room during a run where it was really really crowded and I just said hey you come work and I'm not sure if that was you but I'm 90% sure it was but um just just things you don't think of like uh well there was the year you did come and they forgot to feed us. Uh, they had left off uh, an entire meal that they didn't realize that they were required to serve. And we went to ask, oh, when's lunch? And they said, oh, what do you mean? And then we had 100 people there and no food. So it's grab the pen and run around and go, hey, what do you guys want on your pizza? And so like I, I told uh, Kelly a while back, I said, just keep a cash pile on hand for all those last minute mistakes like they forget to do. But you know, just a tremendous amount of work goes into organizing it. And just when you finish organizing it, the event occurs and everything that can possibly go wrong will go wrong. Those are encouraging words. I'm sure. Oh, I tell you, I'm full of the confidence, you know. <laughs> I, I've produced theater, so I'm I'm hoping that some of the same uh, stuff will come into play. I, I definitely have some experience with the the worst of all things happening and and having to proceed with the best that you can. So, you're then you're well in line. I hope so. Well, I think it's very interesting because the British conferences, to me, uh, the actual the the lecture portions of both American and British conferences are, are, are pretty much identical. You know, you have your lectures, you have your, your, your speakers, you have your dinner, and then it's the after party that are very, very, very different as far as my one experience at the Brighton conference, which is Americans do not gather around the table and sing. We don't do that. It's not a and and at the at the at the British conference, it's very much they get drunk and they start to sing. And I thought that was just really interesting. There would be all these war tunes from the old, you know, World War One songs, and everybody joined in. Everybody knew the songs. If you tried to get a group of all-age Americans gathered around the table to sing, you know, an old, you know, a song, nobody would, you know, somebody might know, you know, Coldplay, but somebody else knows, you know. It was just, it was really interesting to me the socialization aspects of it. Well, two thousand things. We did have a three M performance of Danny Boy by Alan Sharp. So that is true. But I ha that was because I he had done it at Brighton, and that's I right. He did do it <laughs> that I wanted to hear him do it again, so I had to bribe him to do it. We all had to do our stupid human pet trick to get him to sing to do that. Well, it was well worth it, and I and maybe we'll see a reprise of that this year. Um. Now the. Uh Again, the conference is going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is uh, where you live. I don't know if it's your hometown or not. Um, yes. Okay, your hometown. Um, what led you to pick Knoxville for the location of the conference? And um, if you decide af if you're going to have a wonderful experience with uh, hosting, uh, despite what Allie says, uh, with hosting the uh, 2008 conference, if, if you do the 2010 conference, um, You'll, will you be looking to picking a different city to host it in and try to... I, I will say that the, the venue is 100% because uh, Dan and I live here. And uh, um, uh, from what I've gathered, Baltimore was chosen because it was a close location to the people who previously organized. And it's, it's fairly important that it, you know uh, the people organizing want to be able to check the venue and make sure it's appropriate and things. So I think right. uh, having at least one person on site that uh, it can make sure everything's as, as it should be is important. But uh, something that uh, I'm thrilled with is the fact that I, I was curious with changing the venue, uh, to what extent would that change people's interest in it? You know, Knoxville is just Knoxville. You know, it's not as touristy as Baltimore is or, or some other bigger city. But uh, um, as soon as I announced that we were going to have it in Knoxville, I received emails from several people who were Baltimore locals who had attended the Baltimore conference and uh, wanted information on coming to Knoxville and were excited about coming to it. And I realized that well, I, those were the people I most thought we might lose. People who came to the Baltimore conference because it was in their backyard and they could easily drive over to it uh, want to make the move to Knoxville because they care about the conference that much. And I thought, wow, it, it, it might, it's something to think about. It might behoove the conference to move around 
because if it's going to pick up followers that are going to follow it around no matter where it goes, right. then, then maybe moving around is a good idea. I don't know. That's for uh, whoever organizes in the future to, to determine <laughs> whoever that might be. So, um, But uh, I think it's uh, really cool that, that we aren't uh, going to, to lose the local Baltimore delegates out of hand. Right. Um, and um, and um, I, Knoxville seems like a really beautiful city. I've never been there before. And, and really, I mean, um, I'd be more interested going to a conference in a town that I'd never seen before um, than, you know, have, have it be the same place year after year. So I do agree with you that it's, it's important for the location to change. And that's similar to what the UK conferences do, right? Although, granted, um, the UK is a lot um, smaller place to get around than right. the United States, but so. we don't have the convenience of public transportation. Right. Um, now, Robert, um, Ali w was uh, sharing some of the crazier moments um, from some of the conferences. What 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 uh, are some of the things that you can share with us? Uh, and give uh, our listeners a taste of, of what they could expect at a Jack the Ripper conference. Well, I don't know if I can give them a taste of what to expect. I mean, I think all experiences are personal to you know a great degree. But you know, I, I was really surprised at at the reception I got when I actually first arrived. Uh, the first person I ran into, like the only conference I've been to, is the one in Brighton in two thousand and five, which is where I met Ali, among other people. Uh, but the very first person I met at the conference was when I was getting out of the taxi. Uh, um, I ran into Jeremy Beadle, of all people, who, as we know, unfortunately died earlier this year. And uh, nobody in England knew who I was, I mean, by sight or anything. And he pegged me out of the cab as Robert McLaughlin. And that was a, a bit surprising. Because I said, you know, how did you know who I was? I mean, nobody knows who I was. And he says, you know, it was the way you got out of the cab. You know, you stood up tall and proud and said, like, hey, this is Robert McLaughlin. And it was a, it was a, it was a great introduction to Jeremy Beadley, you know, because he, he was larger than life almost, you know. And, and you know, then I, I tried to check in. I couldn't even check in when I first got there uh, because Judy Stock uh, uh, and a couple other ladies who were there early um, hijacked me. To tell me how great my, they they hijacked me, pulled me into the room, and they 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 wanted to tell me how great my book was. And this was you got to realize this was a book I hadn't even seen yet. Um, I'd written it, and it was printed over in England, and I and it was to make its debut at the Brighton conference. And I hadn't even seen the book. And I have people telling me like how wonderful it is. You know, they've got copies of it already, and I haven't even got a copy of it. And. Um, no, it was quite fascinating. And then we started talking about politics and, and other things and, and uh, each other and what, what each other did. And um, it, it quickly, you know, turned away from actually Jack the Ripper and just started talking about everything under the sun. So, you know, that was sort of my first introduction uh, to a Ripper conference. And, and it was, you know, a great weekend after that. You, I want to ask, ask Ali a question, though. Uh, or, or, and Kelly as well, because both of you have been to... Uh, American and UK conferences, and when when I was at uh, Brighton, I of course you get English people there, but I noticed a large contingent of American and even Canadians uh, were at the UK one, and I was wondering if that's the same in the American conference. Do you get uh, Canadians and uh, Europeans coming over for that one? I would say honestly no. Uh, we do get normally um, the uh, UKers who come over are the speakers that that are there to uh, lecture the reason just being is is because i think the topic itself is england centered um the whole you know jack the ripper phenomena everything is based in england so for an american to go over to england to have the conference it makes a lot of logistical sense you're going to the place where these, this all took place you know a lot of people are anglophiles they got into it just because of a fascination with some tangential aspect of British history, they sort of fell into it, so it makes sense to go for an American to go over to England where the event we're having the conference on occurred. For, I think, a lot of British people, 
looking at it. They have their own conferences over in England. It doesn't really make sense to come over to America because they sort of think, well, what does America have on the Jack the Ripper conferences, you know, on the Jack the Ripper topic that we don't have here? Um, and I'm not saying that's across the board, but just in general as a large body, the reverse is more true. It's true, but uh, but that said, uh, the, the UK uh, ripperologists need to realize that the dollar is weak. I know, it's cheap. They need to come over here and take advantage of that. I absolutely agree. You'll never have a better time. No. Yeah, and also, um, you know, you'll never get this selection of, of speakers. Um, you know, every conference must be unique in, in the speakers uh, that are presented. And, and uh, you know, when you have Philip Hutchison and Martin Fido and Robert McLaughlin, just to name those three, um, as presenters at the conference, you know, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity, no matter what part of the world it is in, you know. So if, if you're interested in, in um, you know, seeing uh, what's probably a one off occurrence uh, of, of, you know, the, those individuals, then, then you got to make the trip. Right. And when Rob was talking about uh, uh, being treated like a celebrity, uh, at the UK conference, uh, it, it made me think about the fact that, uh, you know, it, it may seem unusual to him, but uh, but to people who are especially people newer to the case, or even not necessarily, when you, you've spent some time with a book and, you know, enjoyed it and loved it, it's, it's a big deal to people to, to get to spend time with the authors. And, and that's something that I think is important about the conferences, and that I want uh, people who might not have been to one to know is that when the speakers come in, they don't hop off of a plane and give a lecture and then skip out of town. They're, the speakers are also delegates. The, the speakers will be there for the conference, and you know they'll stick around and, and drink with everyone after, and uh, you'll get a chance to, to talk with them about their ideas or what you think of them or share your ideas with them. And, and that's one of the most amazing things about it is that you know, it puts everybody in the... In, in the same community, whether you're a new person or whether you're a, a respected author, you, you, you're all in the same place and, and get to, uh, to be with each and other. I can, yeah, and I can attest to that because, uh, you know, I had a great time talking to everybody and, you know, I made myself approachable and, and I found that the other speakers at the conference, even, you know, as uh, Don, Don Rumbelow even spoke at, uh, at uh, Brighton, uh, he was very approachable and... Right. And, you know, so was, so was Andy Elephant and everybody, the conference organizers. Um, it, it, it's amazing, uh, you know, the access you get to right. discuss to discuss the case with people that um, you can't even do even on the message boards, as we know, because a lot of people aren't on the message boards. Right. And, and even if they are, they don't always respond to certain questions, but, um, but they're more than willing to uh, at, a, at a Ripper conference. And, and it, it's... You know, I found it so very informative, actually. And um, and there's a lot of uh, like uh, Robert said at the beginning of the show, a social aspect to it as well, as you had mentioned, um, in which um, after the, I, I guess uh, in the evenings there's dances and and uh, little parties that go on, and where where you're able, everyone is able to just let their hair down and. And it, and it must be a, a great opportunity if, if, like, if you have a question for Martin or, or Robert or you know any of the speakers, to have that kind of setting in which um, you can chat with them. So yeah, it tends to be like I at the last um, conference, it was sort of like a block party where everybody was sort of on one floor and there was a party in every room, and you just sort of went from room to room to room to room and, and whoever was in there you chatted at the time and every room had their own you know assortment of refreshment and uh, oh. and you just sort of That's sort of a podcaster's went dream <laughs> right <laughs> and you just sort of went in and hung out in this room for a while until you know the you know and then you went to the next room and and so on and so forth and <laughs> I will say that after a few rooms and a few refreshments, 
It got really interesting, but I, I found that like I couldn't speak to the British people anymore because I just could not understand their accent. <laughs> and that's really that's how I remember talking to Adam Wood. And after a while, I, I just sort of looked at him. I'm like, you know, I've had a really nice time talking with you, but I just don't understand a single thing you're saying anymore. <laughs> and so I just sort of got up and went to the next room. But um, but no, it's really fun, and it's just you know and. That is, those are a couple of, uh, of uh, Brits who, who tend to come over occasionally. So, um, Claudia and Andy and Adam um, come over. And they're the, yeah, and they're the organizers for the UK events. Currently, yeah. right. They get Currently. over after. Um, after Stuart Evans and uh, Rosie, yeah. Right. Uh, this this is probably a good time just so I, I don't leave them out because uh, um, the American conference actually was uh, first organized, if I'm not mistaken, by Sam Gafford and Chris George. Uh, so we have them to thank for getting it started in the U.S. Uh, and uh, I believe it was after that that uh, uh, Allie and Stephen and, and Judy and Leroy took over. Um, I... I, I could be wrong, and I'll double check and, and correct this on the boards if necessary, but I had thought that Judy had been involved with Chris George all along, but I could be mistaken. I know Chris George was at the original one, um, but I had thought that that was the New Jersey one, if I'm not cor mistaken, correct? Dad, I'm not certain yeah, about yeah, yeah, it is New Jersey. The first and one Stephen was in involved in that because at the time he was living in New Jersey. <laughs> so I know that that was the one he was involved with because he helped, um, you know, to that okay. location. But to what extent, I'm not entirely right. sure. I, I may be somewhat mistaken, but I know that Sam and Chris were at least uh, uh, the involved the, in the first one. So, Right. And I think that's also why it moved to Baltimore because of Chris George living there right. as well. So they've had all, I think, on both sides of the ocean, they've gone through some various changes as far as organi organizers and, uh, and, you know, someone always willing to step in and pick up the slack when, you know, for whatever reason, the, the, the current uh, organizers aren't able to do it. Um. And, and this is the fifth uh, U.S. Jack the Ripper conference to be held. Um, so it would be the 10th uh, year anniversary, I take it, of the, well, New, so. uh, of the New Jersey conference. Mm -hmm. uh, the eighth year anniversary, because uh, uh, New Jersey was 2000. So. Oh, okay. Now, is there a, uh, some kind of agreement with the U.K. conferences that, that it just alternates by year? Or, I mean, I'm sure finances have a uh, play in that decision as well that people can't afford to go to two uh, conventions right a uh, year. Allie, Allie may know more about that but but Judy did tell me that there was sort of a at least an unofficial agreement to take alternate years right. uh, especially you know, because some of the organizers wanted to go to the UK conference. Right. And, uh, that, that was actually our reasoning behind uh, changing the date to October uh, was to uh, is the the UK conference was in October was to make it more uh, precisely a year apart. So financially, it would be less of a burden if somebody wanted to go to both. They they'd have a whole year to to save up. So uh, it's it's more on track now. But uh, something I want to mention is that uh, uh you know for for anybody who's new uh, like I was in two thousand four you know if they if they listen to a conversation like this where some of us know each other and have met or or they come onto Casebook and there's a lot of inside jokes it's it's not exclusive not whatsoever I walked in with my sister in two thousand four and knew no one and sat at a table where none of the people at the table knew anyone else at the table. And within ten minutes, we're talking. You, I don't want anyone to feel like it's a it's a club that they can't be part of. Uh, in some ways, it you know there are people who know each other and people who've been going for years. But everyone is extremely open about welcoming people in. We want more people here, and we want more people in this field because you know there's no telling what somebody's going to end up contributing in in whatever small way. So, to anybody who might be thinking that it's it's you know, just a club of people who know each other. It's one hundred percent not that way. That's exactly true. You know, because I've met a lot of people for the first time, and and uh, like you said, it, it's you know, it's instant socialization, whether it's over a beer right. or not. You know, whether it's just a, a simple conversation of of what what you've been doing that day. 
Um, but but yeah, no, I had a great time uh, just meeting new people and talking about new things and, and finding out actually a little bit more about some of the people that I did know through the Ripper field right. but only knew them, let's say, by their writings or their works. It was interesting to find out actually what they did for a living or, you know, you, you know things like that, which... Right. I, I, I made Don Rumbelow tell me his top five dream dates of all time. <laughs> that's, not in, that's not in his books. <laughs> no, I, I've not read that in any of his books. <laughs> yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to as well. Um, you know, Robert was blessed enough to, to step uh, out of a cab and um, be instantly recognized because people had read his book. Um, but on, I... I show up at Knoxville, and uh, I don't think um, I think Robert and Allie both know what I look like. But other other than that, I can be pretty much incognito, um, and um, and so it'll it'll even for uh, long term ripperologists who've never been to a conference, um, you know, it it's gonna it, it's it's just gonna be an awesome experience. So. Well, you'll be incognito until you say your first sentence, unless you've somehow managed to... And then they'll think I'm Robert McLaughlin. (laughs) (laughs) Just for people out there, Jonathan will be the one holding the microphone, okay? You'll be easy to spot. Oh, no, it'll be uh, secreted in my my vest. I'll tell you that. (laughs) And there, there will be podcast action at the 2008 conference, we should mention. Yes, there. We have yet to hammer out the exact details, but there will be a podcast broadcasting from the convention, and um, I'll be walking around annoying people uh, from time to time, um, getting little mini interviews that I'll end up putting together for an entire show, and and um, other other bigger and better things uh, could be in in the works for the podcasts uh, for the conventions. So. So, Kelly, are you going to have Jonathan be your Vanna? Oh, that's a... Well, that's, that, a, that's a question I was actually... Not that I'm suggesting myself, but Jeremy uh, Robert Edmund, you know, he kind of acted as almost like an MC for the UK conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anyone that, that the US conferences has um, that kind of fills that role that Jeremy does? The, did, there is no one who can fill the role that Jeremy did. Right. Uh, period. Uh, right. But... Uh, I don't know that the the conferences that uh, I've been to, I know that uh, sometimes the MC duties were sort of handed off. So uh, mm-hmm. is is that correct, Allie? Or was Henry, Mitch- yeah, we've had like Andy, um, Aleph, right. and, and it sort of flashed between him and, and Judy. And everybody sort of has their little niche. And Leroy always did the auction because he kept being, right. you know, shirt the in. But yeah, it was sort of a um, tag team effort. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Right. But there's only one, Vanna. Okay. <laughs> right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, um, were you? Oh, I, oh, go I, ahead, I, uh, Kelly. Oh, well, I, I just had forgotten because uh, we only just recently uh, found out that we're going to do this, but uh, um, we're going to be showing uh, John Bennett's uh, documentary Ripperland at the conference. Uh-huh. And uh, we're sort of excited yeah. That because uh, it's that's not been shown in public before, and I think some copies have been uh, sent around to some of the people in Ripperology, and uh, I think it'll be a good icebreaker. Have you seen it, Allie? Oh, I haven't. I'll oh, have you to like get a bootleg copy. Yeah, I'll have to get you. I just assumed you had. I'm sorry. I, I wanted someone to back me up on what it was like. Uh, it's a. I haven't. It's it's a lot of fun, and I think uh, it's uh, completely different from anything else that anyone has seen, and it's a, a good example of, you know, what can be done when a documentary is made by someone who's inside the field. Uh, so it, it, it takes some, I'd say, some pot shots at the field itself in a good-natured way because it comes from the inside, but which I think a, a lot of people interested in ripperology will very much appreciate. So uh, I'm really excited that we're going to be showing that. And that sounds like something that would probably be good for novices as well. I, I think in a way it will. I think it'll be, uh, you know, a little bit for much, everyone. Yeah, much more accessible than maybe some of the talks even. Possibly, although, I, I mean, there are some uh, in, in references, you know, that, uh, but I think that uh, even if you didn't get them all, I think it would still be valid. 
Now, there are also um, opportunities for uh, authors to sell their books at the conferences. You have tables set up. and uh, Can you explain a little bit about how that works? Yeah, uh, it's a, a good opportunity at the conferences for people who have, a, you know, ripper books, etc., to market, to directly bring them to people who, who actually want to hear about it. So it's, you know, for once it's a, you know, marketing, but that people actually want Right, and, uh, uh, you know, people should also be aware that, you know, they can make room in their suitcase to bring books that they already have and, you know, have the chance to get them signed by the authors in person uh, while they're there. That's right, and, and Martin Fido is going to be there, so. Right. You'd have to have a pretty big suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, I didn't ask you this initial question, Kelly, but, uh, but you alluded to it at the beginning of the show. How did you first get interested in Ripperology? You mentioned that you read Martin's book, and you went to the first conference with a friend. But how, how did that, um, just reading one book, send you to a, a Ripper conference? Or could you explain a little bit about that? Um, well, partly through my sister, as I mentioned before. But uh, I, I honestly think that... Uh, my interest in Jack the Ripper is uh, really just a case of several interests that I've I've had all along, sort of coming together. In a, I've always had an interest in the, like British literature and nineteenth-century literature and uh, history in general. In a, um, when I was in college, I played Lizzie Borden in a university production, and uh, that I wanted to research the role, so I started reading about Lizzie Borden. And uh, I got really interested in that. But it, honestly, uh, after that was over, I, I sort of put it aside. But I, I think that it kind of, you know, just kind of forged an early interest in something that, you know, that it, it hadn't clicked yet, but it was always kind of there. So so when my sister passed uh, me Martin Fido's book and suggested that I read it, and after I did, it was sort of like all of, all of these different things that I'd been interested in sort of all converged into one place, and I, I sort of never looked back, and I think that's the case for a lot of people. Um, so, do, do you have a favored suspect, or? Uh, uh, the unknown. <laughs> uh, you know, I subscribe to the, the unknown uh, East Ender idea most I suppose and there are some suspects I'm interested in just for the sake of thinking they're interesting people right Although I, I don't particularly think they're necessarily uh, my favorite suspects right like give uh, us some examples people like Tumbledy Tumbledy no matter how you slice it what an interesting dude you know but um, so I think it's always interesting to read things about about his life and and various exploits of his uh, you know he's not somebody I look at particularly as a suspect, but I, I, I think he's certainly an interesting person. Oh, yes, certainly. And um, if there were ever a Knoxville connection, it would probably be Tumblety, if we ever found a good Knoxville <laughs> connection to the Ripper well, case. Interestingly, I, I looked through some old newspapers and, uh, you know, discovered, uh, just like anywhere else, there are, of course, Knoxville murders that people were saying were Jack the Ripper, you know, and they'll, they're not anything like Jack the Ripper. It'll be a, you know, murdered adolescent boy or something but you know i know that we all know that during that time period people were really quick to uh, compare any murder to jack the ripper but uh, it was kind of interesting to read about a uh, knoxville murders that were being touted as jack the ripper like despite the fact that they they aren't so much right and but other no there's there's no connection to knoxville <laughs> but Ro robert's right in the tumble you never know. Tumble tea, That's great. Tum Tumble Tea probably uh, hung out in Tennessee when he was uh, working for the Confederacy. And so you attended your first Ripper conference with your sister. Right. Uh, all right. And is she, she's, is she she's still... Interested in, she's, in this. Sorry? She is essentially who got me interested in this to start with, yes. Oh, so she's, she's uh, uh, interested in, in Jack the Ripper as much as you then? Absolutely. She's, she's uh, you know, gotten involved in other projects more recently, so she hasn't kept up with it as much, but she'll, I, I assume, be at this conference. And um, she's a t we've started a Jack the Ripper discussion group in Knoxville, and uh, so some people can keep up with it that way. 
Oh, really? Like uh, where you meet in public? Uh-huh. Oh, good. Frog Betty yeah. had recommended um, that the Whitechapel Society 1888 branch off into little groups that meet in local communities mm-hmm. and stuff, which I thought was an excellent idea. Um, and I'm glad to hear that, that that's something that's going on in Knoxville. So there will be some, some local people from Knoxville attending this conference. Oh, undoubtedly. And uh, it's interesting that I actually recommend that anybody in any town start a, start a group because all it takes is, you know, putting an ad in a paper or something. And, uh, you know, some of the people that, that we've found or have found us, uh, it, they had no idea we were here. We had no idea they were there. And uh, it's just been really interesting to see that, you know, even in a, a town like Knoxville, there are people walking around with this interest who had no idea that there were other people walking around with it, too. Yeah, and uh, you know we we've met a woman who uh, has attended uh, several UK conferences, but has never managed to make it to a US conference. Who lives in Knoxville, and uh, you know who would have known? But uh, um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I think know American conferences are always limited by size. Do you have like a number restriction? Like our, I know the past ones have always been like seventy five, and those who don't get in under the wire. Too bad, you know. What is the is the, I'm sure it's always by what hotel you're at. So right there, there is a maximum number, and that's dictated by the the banquet room and how many people you can cram into it. But I, I think it's uh, reasonably high enough. So um, you know, but I think that uh, anybody who wants to go probably can go, but it does pay to get your uh, registration in soon because there is a cap. So. Um, and if we need if we need to make room for anybody else, I'll sit on Allie or Jonathan's knee. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I don't know if my knee is going to be there, so you'll have to uh, straddle quite a large hemisphere of your Knoxville. I would love to attend, but <laughs> well, we wish you could be there too. Is it, uh, I, I n- nothing else? Be. The auction won't be the same. No, right. Uh, you've got to get a Vanna, and it can't be as good as me. Right. Well, one of my other sisters may have to take that job. Make sure she has a tiara. <laughs> tiara is required. Oh, is that what that get-up was about? I, I, <laughs> it started as a joke at the... I think it was actually the... the so I saw month. a photograph, in, like you were in, like in a uh, yellow or gold dress and a, wearing a tiara on your head. Yeah, it, it came about, they were doing a play, and someone was Queen Victoria at one of the fir- the first conference I went to, and then I volunteered to, like, so, you know, sort of start helping out in the book room, and so Judy put the tiara on my head, mm-hmm. and I had to wear it, you know, the whole thing, and then it sort of snowballed, and then every conference she bought me like a new like a little girl's cheapo tiara thing and you know i have an entire <laughs> collection now of tiara, which have just it sort of snowballed from a joke into a uh, to a sort of a, a bigger joke i guess but yes i knew how it was a joke <laughs> what did you think i just like to go around yes i do actually this news to me so you'll have to send it to the conference and, be, and bestow it on the uh, your successor. Pass it on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Kelly, uh, on when the conference first starts, um, will there be an informal meet and greet so everybody can sort of get acquainted on a on a casual level? Oh, sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, most people up sort of even if a. Uh, accidentally sort of converging at the same time so sometimes an unofficial meet and greet happens before the conference even gets started as people arrive at the hotel or recognize each other or uh you know um this hotel is small enough that uh, actually i would say that most of the people staying at the hotel at that time are going to be delegates so uh anybody you run into in the lobby is likely to be someone attending the conference so but yeah it, it, we don't have our schedule officially put together but yeah there's always a uh, an event uh, to, as people get registered and before it actually gets started so they can mill around and get a drink and start talking to each other. All right. Uh, um, we're just about an hour. Any f- final questions, comments? Allie? 
Um, I think it would just behoove us to give the website address for the. Yes, I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> I was the, gearing up for that. Yes. <laughs> That's about it. But well, thank go, you. Go, go ahead, Kelly. Uh, if you want to register for the conference, or if you even just want to look for detailed information uh, and read more about it, it is at ripperology.com/conference. And uh, there are links there where you can uh, go ahead and pay a deposit if you wish. And uh, uh, actually, if you have further questions, you can email me at ripperconference at gmail.com. Well, I thank you for being on today. And I look forward to the conference. And I look forward to meeting you and Robert, for that matter. Seems uh, like, seems like I'm I look forward to meeting both of you, too. <laughs> And uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Jack the Ripper 2008 conference is in Knoxville, Tennessee, over the weekend of October 10th through the 12th. Our guest today was Kelly Robinson, the organizer of the Ripper Conference, and we thank you again for coming on. It was pretty short notice today. Yes, thank you. And, and I also want to thank Robert in Canada and Allie in Virginia for being on today, as always. And um, you have been listening to RipperCast, episode 18, The Gathering, with Kelly Robinson. I am Jonathan Mangus, and as I just said, with us today from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, was Robert McLaughlin, and from Virginia in the USA was Allie Ryder. You can access our podcasts every week via the iTunes Music Store, podcast section, keyword Jack the Ripper, or you can go to our website at www.rippernet.com and click at the podcast link at the top of the page. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>